Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every Monday with a new story about your world. Today's guest is Ruben Gonzalez, Vice President of Leadership Initiatives at the Victory Institute. Victory Institute is dedicated to achieving full equality for the LGBTQ community by building, supporting, and advancing a diverse network of LGBTQ public leaders. Ruben oversees all domestic and international programs for the organization. We'll talk about what type of leaders his organization is looking for and qualities of successful political candidates. I want to thank all of you following Jesse Garcia's show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about the show, visit jessegarciashow.com. Attention LGBTQ permanent residents. Ready to become a U.S. citizen? My community organization, League of United Latin American Citizens Council 11125, also known as LULAC Lambda, is hosting citizenship workshops with immigration lawyer Cameron Chong. These sessions will help green card holders learn about the process to become a citizen, and Cameron will answer questions specific to the LGBTQ community. Come get your free legal advice. We have scheduled two free sessions on Saturday, June 16th at 10 a.m. and Tuesday, June 19th at 7 p.m. Both sessions will be held at George Washington University's Marvin Center, room 301. The center is located at 821st Street Northwest in Washington, D.C. RSVP today at lulaclambda at gmail.com. That's L-U-L-A-C-L-A-M-B-D-A at gmail.com. Sessions will be held in English and will have Spanish translation available. For more information, visit lulaclambda.org. And here's your weekly news update. Every American deserves to be treated with dignity and respect, but too many in the LGBTQ community are denied this basic human right today, according to former Vice President Joe Biden, who is partnering with the YMCA Foundation to launch a new initiative to foster LGBTQ inclusion and equality by enhancing the ability of YMCAs to serve LGBTQ youth and adults for fostering greater understanding in communities across the country. This recent development was spurred by the national crisis facing LGBTQ youth. LGBTQ youth are five times more likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual peers, and they represent up to 40% of the homeless youth population, even though they make up only 7% of the overall youth population in the United States. In addition, LGBTQ individuals and families experience disproportionately high rates of poverty, food insecurity, and violence. And, according to the FBI, LGBTQ individuals have surpassed other groups as the most likely to be targeted for hate crimes. So the Biden Foundation and a cohort of YMCAs across the United States will develop and implement locally focused strategies designed to engage and support LGBTQ individuals and their families. These strategies may include staff training, member outreach and engagement, program innovation for LGBTQ youth, adults, seniors and families, and community collaborations. Over time, the best practices and tools developed by the cohort will be disseminated to YMCAs nationwide. 
Thank you, Joe, for once again stepping up to the plate for the LGBTQ community. Today, there are more than 500 LGBTQ elected officials across the United States, according to the Victory Institute. Impressed? While that is an amazing number, it is nowhere near the actual number we need to be if we are to be fully represented based on the U.S. LGBTQ population. The U.S. would need three more LGBTQ U.S. Senators, 12 more U.S. Representatives, 194 more state legislators, 12 more statewide executives. In total, we are short more than 21,000 LGBTQ elected officials, from the courthouse to the White House, for adequate representation. The person in charge of identifying the next generation of LGBTQ leaders who can further equality at all levels of government is Ruben Gonzalez. We'll talk about his institute's training and professional development programs and what it takes to run successfully for office. I want to welcome to the show Ruben Gonzalez, who works at the Victory Project Institute, trying to recruit people to run for office and finding resources to help get them elected, specifically LGBT candidates from across the nation. Welcome to the show, Ruben. Thank you very much. It's great to be here, Jesse. So tell us a little bit about yourself and about the institute that you work for. Uh, fantastic. Um, so I am from originally from Phoenix, Arizona. I've been in Washington, D.C. for nine years now, and I've been working with the uh, Victory Fund and Institute for uh, two and a half years. And how is it working for this organization? It's, it's fantastic. I tell people it's my, my dream job. I, the work that I get to do here um, is mostly on our institute side. So Victory Fund and Victory Institute are two separate organizations. The Victory Fund is the 527. It's an organization that can make endorsements, political endorsements. It can raise money directly for candidates. It can bundle money. Um, it can support candidates financially. The Victory Institute is a C3 nonprofit organization. We're a tax-exempt organization. So that work is non-political and nonpartisan. So on the Victory Institute side, which is what I oversee, uh, we focus on building a pipeline of leaders for public service. So we work with people from um, all the way from college interns who want their first sort of entry point into public leadership through an internship on Capitol Hill, all the way to uh, elected officials. I tell people the easiest way to sort of understand it is if you think about a pipeline of people in public leadership, um, if you're thinking about running for office, if you're thinking about doing more in government, you're with the Victory Institute. If you're being trained to run, you're with the Victory Institute. The moment that you declare that you're running for office and you're actively campaigning, you're with the Victory Fund. Once you win or lose, then you're back with the Victory Institute again because we work with elected officials in their capacities or we work with people who want to run again, who want to go back and give it another try. What are some good people that should consider running for office that you, you work with and you say, yeah, this is going to be a, a good candidate to, to eventually run for office someday? What's some of the qualities that they need to have? That's, it's one of the most exciting things about my job. Uh, since 2016, we've had a surge of people who want to run for office. Our first training in February of 2017 was in uh, Fort Lauderdale, and we were at capacity. Um, we do a four-day candidate campaign training. This is a really intensive sort of uh, boot camp for running for office. We were at capacity. We had a wait list of people to attend. Um, but the kind of people that anyone, you know, can, can run for office. But there's a couple of things that you sort of have to be comfortable with. One um, is, unfortunately, you have to be comfortable asking for money. Uh, every person who runs for office needs to raise something. Um, you have to be really sort of 
uh, aware of how much money you need to raise. You know, you've got to do the research and figure out what do I need to raise for this school board seat or to be an ANC commissioner if you're in D.C. or if you, um, you know, want to run for Congress. You've got to be conscious of like this is the amount of money that I have to raise and be realistic about how you're going to get there. Um, but every person that runs for office will have to ask for money from people they know, from people they love, from their family, from their friends, from strangers. And so you have to get over that sort of fear really quickly. Um, you also have to be passionate. You have to care about the issues. Um, we tell people when they come to our training, no one, no one wins because they're an out person. We only work with LGBTQ people, um, but nobody wins just because they're gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, or queer. Um, they win because they care about the issues that their constituents care about. Um, Danica Rome is a great example. The first transgender person to be elected as an out transgender person in Virginia in the state house there. Uh, when she got attention, she got so much attention for being the first transgender person sort of running at that level. Um, when she got attention about being transgender, she always brought it back to the issues that faced her constituents of Virginia. Yes, I follow her on Twitter, and it's always about transportation. She is trying to get her community and her colleagues in her legislature, legislature to rally on fixing the roads and, and improving transportation projects and funding those transportation projects. That is her number one issue. I would think, you know, you know, transgender or LGBT rights, you know, would dominate her conversations. But no, it's an actual bread and butter. Let's bring jobs. Let's build roads. This is what she is passionate about. Absolutely. She connected with what her community cares about. Uh, people that live in Manassas, where she serves, many of them work in Washington, D.C. and face a brutal commute every single day that takes them away from their families, away from their kids, away from their partners, spouses their lives. Um, and she's, she focused on that. She knows that's an issue that people care about. She also knows that people care about schools and the quality of education in her district. And so she ran on those issues. Um, she did her research. She really hit the ground. Um, she knocked on doors constantly. Um, we're so proud of Danica Rome, and we talk about her all the time because she's done every program for Victory. She started out as a trainee for the Victory Institute doing our four-day candidate and campaign training. And so when we watched her do her interviews and reporters would always ask her, try to distract her and get her to talk about being the first transgender person or talking about her opponent, who was a real bigot um, in the Virginia State Legislature, would try to get her off message and talk about those things. She always brought it back to transportation. She brought it back to school. She brought it back to jobs. The things that people really care about when they're voting. Yeah. And one thing I love about Danica is that she's very sincere. Mm -hmm. She's been at your events. Uh, anytime there's somebody running here locally, um, I've seen her there or know that she's going to be attending. And I got to finally meet her at one of these fundraisers. And she was so gracious. She made time for everybody that because she's like a, like a local celebrity here. And she made time for each and individual that was going up to thank her for running and for representing the community. Such a sweetheart. I really appreciate her leadership and such a genuine person. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. She's uh, she's such an inspiration to our community. And I think to, to people everywhere that wants to run, she um, is not a career politician. Uh, she's a journalist. Um, she also was a lead singer in a heavy metal band. She, uh, I could appreciate that. Love, love, love all types of music. Heavy metal is one of them. Absolutely. She, uh, yeah. So she's, uh, when you hear her speak, 
sometimes she gets into a really kind of raspy, <laughs> rocking out voice. And so I always explain this to donors because some of our donors are raising an eyebrow and we're like, why is she screaming? And I'm like, she's doing that because that's what she's used to. She's used to rallying a really loud crowd and getting them on her side and getting them excited. And so she'll, she'll go into that when it's, a, when it's a raucous crowd. She'll go into that heavy metal voice and really bring the energy. But I've seen her fire up lots of rooms and I've always been impressed by her. And uh, one-on-one, she's just really sincere and just a, a really kind of values-driven uh, person. So, Danica managed to do a lot of good things on the campaign trail. What are some of the biggest mistakes candidates often do and that you work with individuals to steer clear from, like things that they could be doing or avoiding before they declare for office? So one of the things that she did really well, I just alluded to this, was the voter contacts. She spent every day knocking on doors uh, when there were opportunities to you know, go to New York City and do interviews or to do um, things that would take her sort of out of her district. She always chose the voter contact, unless it was fundraising, which is also really important. Um, but those are the things that you, it's, time management is one of the biggest issues. Um, you can get really distracted from what you're trying to accomplish. And you, and you really have to ask yourself, am I communicating with a donor right now? Am I raising money for my campaign so that I can communicate with more donors? Again, that voter contact is key, and that's what makes the difference in winning or losing. And so, again, the more personal the connection with your voters, the more impactful you're going to be. Uh, We tell our trainees over and over and over again that yard signs don't vote. But again and again, you see people want a yard sign. And when you drive around your neighborhood, there's nothing more frustrating than seeing your opponent's yard signs all over your neighborhood. Um, So, again, we get it. Everybody wants to make yard signs. Who doesn't want to see their name in someone's yard? Um, But the yard sign doesn't talk to voters. Um, Having volunteers that can door knock with you, uh, having people that will make calls for you. Uh, The more personal that you can make the contact, the better. Nothing beats face-to-face connections. Um, You know, phone connections are also good. Email connections are, you know, less good, but still, uh, it's still voter contact. Um, Text messaging, again, less of a commitment, but it's still some contact. But really, you want to think about voter contact and prioritize that over anything else. How are we diversifying the pool of candidates that we're getting? You have an intern program here that your institute is in charge of. How are you getting more people of color to participate? For the last three years, uh, Victory Institute has run an empowerment uh, fellowship. Uh, It's our Victory Empowerment Fellowship. It's funded by the Arcus Foundation. Uh, We're really grateful for their support. And the goal of that program is to increase the number of people of color and transgender people running for office. Uh, There was an, um, you know, we wanted more people uh, to, to run for office that look like the rest of the country. Um, what and that, I think it's important because our yeah. numbers are growing. And Latinos and, and um, are just the number one minority group that's just, uh, their numbers are growing. Asian Americans are also, their numbers are surpassing mm-hmm. um, in growth-wise. If you, per capita, I mean, the Asian American population is booming. So it's important for LGBT people who are only numbering at 10% to start forming allies and having those ambassadors that have those one foot in LGBT community, another one in the minority community, be those people that are going to be able to build those bridges. So it's important to start looking like the rest of America. So we, we try to be really smart about the organizations that we partner with. It's a value of victory to help train and prepare more people of color and more transgender people to run for office. And so we partner with organizations that know people of color and transgender people that should be thinking about running for office. 
Um, and that looks like that looks different in every city. But when Victory uh, when Victory goes to a city to do a training, we make connections with uh, community organizations, with um, groups like the LGBT Latino History Project. Those are the kind of people that we would work with because those are the kind of organizations that people who run for office are usually involved with. Um, usually the people who want to run for office or who should run for office are already doing something in their community. Maybe they're the head of their ERG, their employee resource group at their corporation. Maybe they're volunteering on a board of directors or serving on a local community board. They're doing something already. And so we try to find places where leaders are sort of naturally congregating. And we try to find places where leaders of color and transgender leaders are already there. And we go to them and we ask them, you know, we have this training opportunity for you. We have this empowerment fellowship opportunity for you. We want you to be a part of this. And so we make that direct ask. Many times people need to be asked over and over and over again to run for office. Um, for communities of color, you know, for, for Latinos, um, you know, we, we, can, we can be humble. And, so, and sometimes you don't want to think that you're ready for that. Or yeah. you, you kind of think like, oh, can I do this? Or what will people think of me? if I, who, do, who do I think I am running yeah, for office? exactly. And so people like uh, me and my organization, we help build your confidence. We go to you and say, Jesse, you should run for office. You know about these issues. You care about this work. You um, can do this. You can ask for money. Jesse, you should run for <laughs> office. You've been involved in so many organizations doing development. And I always, like, when I first moved here, I'm like, he is a mover and shaker here in D.C. What is the secret to your success? I mean, what growing up, how, when did you decide, yeah, I'm going to get involved with um, politics in the United States or with the political movement, especially right. for Latinos, because you worked at National Council of La Raza, Unidos U.S.? Yes. Yes. So, so my first experience ever working on anything political, I was in the eighth grade, and Ed Pastor, uh, who was a congressman from Arizona who served many uh, terms and was fantastic, um, he was my representative. Um, my representative now from where I grew up is now Ruben Gallego, another uh, yes, fantastic amazing. congressman and a friend. Um, but my mom uh, was a single mom, uh, was always looking for activities, things to engage us in. My brother and I weren't the most athletic uh, people <laughs> out there, and so it wasn't a natural fit to just drop us off at a summer camp where we would play sports all day. And so one day, um, my mom was friends with uh, Ed Pastor's sister, uh, Jerry Pastor, and so she uh, dropped us off at the campaign office. It was uh, election day. Uh, she dropped us off there in the morning, had no idea what we were doing, but knew that they needed volunteers. And they paired my brother and I with two older Latina Latinas, and we did door knocking all day. And we, I, I, I couldn't believe it, you know, that we could knock on someone's door, ask them who they're going to vote for, tell them why they should vote for Ed Pastor. Most of them had never heard or weren't engaged yet, or maybe they didn't plan on voting. But I was just uh, excited that you could actually have that kind of impact in your community by going door to door and knocking on the door. Um, I also like talking to people. And so, um, you know, I think at that moment I realized, okay, I, I like this stuff. When I moved to Washington, D.C., uh, the first time I worked at a polling firm when I first worked here, and I was behind a computer sort of all day long um, doing data entry and sort of running um, cross-tabulations on, on polls. It was not my calling. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of data yeah. <laughs> had to and, work with. And I, and I realized that I, I really wanted to be in a position where I could uh, connect with people, where I could talk to them. Um, and so I left that job, moved to California, and worked on the No on Prop 22 campaign. I was a field organizer, and I got to work in the uh, Latinx community around um, in L.A., East L.A. mostly, Silver Lake, and got to organize in those communities and got to talk to people, got to convene groups of Latinx people to talk about marriage equality. You know, we lost then. It was, uh, 90, it was 2000 was when the election was, and we lost. 
Um, but I had conversations with people I never thought I would have conversations with about marriage equality, about uh, equal rights for uh, for LGBTQ couples. And so that was also um, kind of awakened in me. Like, I, I really want to do something. I've been blessed to be able to work in organizations where I, I my heart's in them. I, I, I consider it like the ultimate blessing that I've never had to work uh, at, at a job where I'm not like fully invested in the mission. And so I've, I've worked in a couple of places in D.C., but they've always been places where I, I'm, I'm really proud of the work. You know, I, I go home and, and I talk to my family and talk to my husband about the work I'm doing, and I'm, I'm fired up. We have uh, next week our Victory Congressional interns are coming for the summer. We have 12 exceptional young people coming to Washington, D.C. to spend the summer with us and hopefully awaken in them a, a taste for public leadership. You know, in that group of 12, there could be a future congressman, a, a future president. And so that's uh, that thrills me. And so being able to do that, I just feel like it's, it's a blessing to be able to do that. So I, so I think that's, um, it's always going to feel like success when you're doing something you believe in and you get to work hard and get to see some success and get to see things move. You know, I think that's always going to feel successful. So thank you for saying that. Um, one last thing. If people want to learn more about the Institute and get involved in the programs, and what are the deadlines for that specifically and for that internship for next year? So give us all this information. Where is the website they can go right. to plus the deadline for next year? Perfect. Uh, so victoryinstitute.org.org is where all of our information is. There's a couple of things that I want to highlight for you all. Um, one is our conference. We have an LGBTQ International Leaders Conference that happens every December in Washington, D.C. We get about 600 people. About half of those are elected or appointed officials from around the globe. And it's, it's a, such a unique space. But if you're a, a political nerd or a government nerd, it's really... It's a cool. lot of knowledge that will be shared that you're going to be able to benefit by. And, and you get to you get to meet sort of your idols, right? You get yeah. to walk around and see Danica Rome or Brian Sims or uh, Andrea Jenkins, the trans city councilwoman from uh, Minneapolis, and they're out there, and it's a really friendly space. Um, something that Senator Tammy Baldwin talks about is that Victory's conference was necessary. It was a place where she came to meet other people that were like her, and she talked about going to it. Uh, you know, over 20 years ago, and it was just her in a room with a bunch of men. And now it's a huge room with lots of men and women, and, and uh, everyone's included. And it's, it's, it's a fantastic place to learn from each other. So I would love for people to, to check out that conference and uh, attend one of our events. Um, our Victory Congressional Internship, uh, right now it's just a summer program, and so people have to apply. It's uh, usually in April is when the deadline is. Mm -hmm. And so look out for that in April of 2019, but there's information all throughout the year. And then we also do trainings. We do trainings around the country, both uh, leadership summits. We do these in low and medium equality states to help build a pipeline of leaders in places where they're facing anti-LGBTQ legislation or don't have representation of, or don't have out representatives in their um, in their congresses. Because uh, those states are just as important. Right. And some of the people you've worked with are winning. Yeah. They're winning races. Most recently, Lupe Valdez, Democratic governor, nominee and Jean Ortiz Jones who just won her Democratic nomination for Congress congressional seat there uh, 23 yes yeah those are two outstanding examples of people that we're so proud to work with they have both been involved with victory and we've supported uh, you know victory is, is a I, I tell you victory is very LTR oriented we invest in long-term relationships and we <laughs> want to work with people we want it to work with you when you're running for city council, when you're running for a school board seat, when you're running for sheriff, when you're running for governor. And all those seats are yeah. important because they got to start somewhere. 
Absolutely. And so we, we try to invest in people and help them throughout their career process. You know, Senator Tammy Baldwin, we started working with her when she was a county supervisor in Wisconsin. Wow. And we still have a, a close relationship with her and she does all of our events. Um, we also have an event coming up in June. We have a, a congressional pride reception. That's also on our website. That's a really fun event where we'll have a- That's open to the public? Uh, it is. So it's a, it's a fun event. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ruben, for your time and for your work to help lift others. You're welcome. Thank you, Jesse, for all your work.